0: Star. It's based on a study of the Psalms and of worship, and we need uh, campers, so you can register there. You, we also need people to serve, uh, to serve our children that week. It's three days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in the afternoon, so please uh, head to the... Um, church center app or the website and take advantage of that opportunity to sign up and uh, serve that way. And then uh, last thing I want to say is on our vision, mission, core values that uh, we went through. And presented this spring and gave the goals in in May uh, we stated that our vision statement our overall vision is to see everyone transformed by the love of Christ and our mission statement says we want to engage people with the love of Christ we want to equip people through relational disciple making and uh, we want to empower the Saints for the work of the ministry and that includes here in the church family but also out in the community and so one of our core values has to do with the Adventurous compassion, uh, which is a really fancy way of saying evangelism, and uh, it has to do with joining Jesus in His work of evangelism and uh, loving people enough to tell them about Jesus. And, and as we thought about that, when as we set out goals for the coming year, we realized that there are things we can do as a church family, but that still comes down to all of us in the relationships that Lord has given us to uh, share the love of Christ with others through the verbal gospel. And so one of the things that we want to do throughout the coming year is to uh, have messages on evangelism, and uh, we're going to do that just between some sermon series uh, in the coming year, two or three times, and one of those happens today. Matt Ward is going to bring us a message on boldness in evangelism and in just uh, through our relationship, sharing Christ, and uh, and he, we're doing this because today he's offering a workshop afterward uh, for for the Beyond Our Doors Ministry, which uh, partners with different Uh, groups in town to uh, love them, to share the love of Christ and to serve them physically, but also to serve the gospel. And so this is a great opportunity if you want to get involved in any of their ministry work uh, this summer, uh, or if you just want better uh, work with your relationships in your neighborhood to uh, get trained up, get equipped in just sharing the gospel. And that's going to happen right after the service today uh, with a box lunch and Matt's going to to uh, handle that. He'll say a little bit more about that before the message today, but we want to let you know that you're welcome to join that, and I think it's going to be a great time of equipping if you would like to participate that way. Let me start with uh, prayer, and then we'll get rolling. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of being uh, the body of Christ and Jesus we thank you that you are our head we are here to treasure you today and we ask that you would give us grace uh, to hear from you and we ask that the spirit would move in our hearts that we would not only connect with you and praise you wholeheartedly and uh, be able to see our life circumstances uh, through the uh, lens of who you are and what you are doing in our lives but that we would also be transformed uh, as we Praise you as we worship you, as we uh, hear your word and and, uh, see it work in our lives. So we commit ourselves to you this morning with great joy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.
1: Of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Who brings to her earth with holy thunder, who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Back into order, who makes the orphan a son and daughter, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings amazing ways and this isn't fair. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Father, we love you today. We thank you for who you are in our lives. We thank you that you love us being sinners, being weak, and we ask this morning that you would draw us close to you. Change our hearts and our minds by the truth of your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat, and if you're one of our kids, K through five, you can be dismissed to Sunshine Kids Club. If you're a guest, go go with your kiddo and get them checked in, and then you can come back and join us.
2: Good morning. How's everybody's summer started out? Wet. It's better than hot. Get a little reprieve before we gotta get slammed. Speaking of hot, growing up, for me, it was a lot hotter growing up in, in Arizona, and so I try not to complain about the heat too much. I complain about the wet a lot. Uh, and and uh, every summer, of course, no matter where you grew up, you have your, your favorite things to do for summertime. Go out and... Find that uh, that swimming hole. Go to the beach. Go to the mountains. Whatever it is was your thing. Uh, we had a favorite thing uh, called Fossil Springs, uh, a little bit uh, north of Phoenix that we used to do. It was a fun fun day trip hike, um, and so it'd be a little bit of a little bit of a hike. You know, just a couple hours go off, and then you'd find this oasis where this uh, this spring had had dug out a big, huge lagoon. Um, it was really peaceful and, and fun and it was one of those places that you enjoy and you don't tell anybody else about because you're trying to keep a lot of people from going there. Eventually a lot of people did find it and it would be crowded sometimes. But in particular there was uh, a, good, a couple good places for you to jump, jump off cliffs. And, uh, so one, one in particular, I I don't know when you're a kid, can you measure distance height very well? Um, so I I like to, I would say it was like jumping off a three-story building about there. Um, so some of you, I I hear how you, what you think of, of that. Um, but you know, sometimes when you go cliff jumping, there's a ledge and you just got to drop. Sometimes though you got to Jump! You actually got to jump because there's things in you know outcroppings, and this is one of those things uh, where you have to actually uh, get your legs moving uh, to get out there. And, and I bring this up because I feel like, as, as David shared earlier, I'm, I'm here to talk about evangelism. And that word elicits the same reaction that a lot of you had to jumping off a three or four-story building uh, and trying to clear an outcropping. There's a lot of emotional range when it comes to that. And both things require boldness. And that's what we're talking about when it comes to evangelism today is boldness. We, you have to have boldness to jump off this thing. Uh, you, you, you could not just lightly fall off. You needed to jump off. And I had to tell you, uh, and, and I'm, I'm just stating facts here that I have, I, I, I don't know everyone here, but I'm, I'm in the top 2% in the room of being trained in evangelism. I've done classes, I've gone on trips, I've shared uh, the gospel on every, nearly every beach in the US. I've, I've been overseas, I've done it as a missionary here in the Bible Belt, which was the hardest place ever to do it. Every time I do it, it's jumping off a cliff. Every time I do it, I think, oh, this is about to happen. I, I can't just fall off this thing. I gotta do this with boldness. I have to suddenly bring up something that I know the people having this conversation may not want me to bring it up. I, I know that I'm about to uh, uh, bring up things that maybe this person has heard and has already rejected. I don't know. Maybe this person has heard it and disagrees with it. Maybe this person uh, is, is going to laugh at me. Maybe you know, all the things run through your head. It's jumping off a cliff every single time. It requires boldness. It requires stepping off and seeing what God is going to do now. And you know, jumping off a cliff is a little different than, than evangelism, obviously. Uh, and, and so we're going to talk about what the difference in boldness is this morning. I'm, I'm going to take us to uh, 1 to Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, but before we go there, I want to set the stage by going to Acts. And I have a verse up for you in Acts 16. 9 through 10. And and as some of you may may remember a few weeks back, Dave shared this verse when he was uh, sharing uh, in his Women of Faith series on on the person of Lydia. This is the the passage right before that. Uh, and, And so in Acts, we read this. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, I feel like this sets the stage for various reasons. Uh, the first one is that it presents the idea that evangelism and the boldness that is required is a spiritual matter. This is a spiritual discussion. It's spiritual warfare that we're a part of. And we see that as the Holy Spirit that led Paul to preach the gospel in Macedonia, he had other desires, but it was the Holy Spirit that changed his direction. And and before we can talk about anything to do with sharing our faith or even what the gospel is, we have to come to the conclusion that if we are not being spirit-led, if we are not following the Spirit's prompting in our life, we're going to really lead fruitless Lives as believers, not only in our our own relationship with God and, and what the Holy Spirit develops within us, but what He's going to develop within our ministry with those around us. That we need to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading so that whenever the Spirit does nudge us and say, I want you to go to Macedonia, we hear and we respond. So there's a spiritual component on the side of prompting, there's also a spiritual component on the side that you're going to have resistance, spiritual resistance. I cannot tell you the number of times that I've begun a conversation of spiritual matters when all of a sudden the distractions pop up. And in fact, we used to have a saying uh, when I was, uh, right after we'd first gotten married, we were involved in a, in a program called Evangelism Explosion, and we had gone through this training. It's a really long, in depth training. And then I went on to the, be certified to go do those trainings and there's all these, these layers, but essentially it's a, it's, it's, it's a training on, on, on a presentation of the gospel. And so part of that is you would go to homes every week, and usually these were people that had visited our church, or we'd go to a park or a mall or something, and you're sitting in this home, and there's a point in the conversation at which you ask the person, would you like to trust Jesus as your Savior? And that is always the time at which the phone rings, or the doorbell rings, or the dog starts barking, or the baby starts crying, to the point that we recognize the fact that this is not a coincidence. This is a spiritual matter that you're talking about. So walk into it knowing that, that when you have the boldness to jump off that cliff, there's going to be resistance. Second reason why this sets the stage so well is because it gives context to our passage. You see, right after this, we know from Dave sharing with Lydia that that Paul runs into Lydia. And then right after that, he gets thrown in jail, him and Silas. And we know the story of the Philippian jailer and there's a great story of evangelism in the gospel there. And then he visits with Lydia a little bit more and then they leave town and the very next place they go is Thessalonica. Well, they, they travel through a few places. The very next place that, that they stop and do anything is Thessalonica. So it kind of sets the stage that... that when we read in First Thessalonians, this is a letter written right after the, the visit that he has with these people when he goes and shares the gospel. And we're gonna read in just a second how that went for them, for Paul and Silas in, in Acts 17. And the third reason this sets the stage is because you see there, it says that he was begging, Man, this vision that he has was begging and that the word begs is going to be our guide this morning uh, as I have four words that I think will help us and assist us in what it means to be about relational evangelism. And so I'm not going to make you uh, worry about being curious as to what four words are going to fill in this acronym. I'm going to give them to you all at once. All right. So B, of course, is boldness. It, It just simply means pushing Back against the culture, pressing against a culture that pushes back. E is entrustment. You don't have to worry about writing these down. They'll come up later. Entrustment, being given something. I've been given an entrustment. What am I going to do with it? That plays a major role in how I boldly go out in relational evangelism. Gentle, gentleness is the prevailing characteristic that we are to have as we share the gospel. And finally, share share ourselves. That's the relational part of it. And what do you think I mean by that? Well, I make a distinction, and this is just the way I like to speak, that as I understand it, there are kind of two Venn, it's a, you know, like a big Venn diagram, two big circles. There's a little bit of an overlap, but in one you'd put relational evangelism, what I call that. Another one I call ministry evangelism. And, and the biggest distinction is, did you know the person before you started sharing the gospel? Do you have a relationship with them? Maybe they're a friend, a family, a coworker, a neighbor. Or did you go on a mission trip and you met somebody and you're probably never going to see them again and you had about 10 minutes to share the gospel on the street and then you moved to the next person? Those would be the distinctions. Now, obviously, there's some overlap because you may have gotten to know a person for the purpose of sharing and then you just stayed knowing them. (laughs) You know, you got to know them for a while. You went across the street and met a neighbor for the intention of sharing the gospel like maybe you'll do after we're done and then you got to know that person well and you continue to get to know them and that gospel presentation lasts several years. So there's an overlap, but I think it's an important distinction because it does change how we interact with the people and an understanding that if there's a relationship involved, sometimes that requires greater boldness because you've already gotten to know them. And maybe they even know more of you than you would prefer to, to let them know. And then they know that you're not perfect and, and they know maybe you got a past. And so maybe that's, that's a hindrance uh, takes boldness because it's someone that, that you're going to continue to have Thanksgiving with, and you're going to continue to share a cubicle with. And what's the consequences of this conversation going to be like, right? When I jump off that cliff, what's it going to feel like when I hit the water? One time I remember I did not look before I leaped, all you kids in the room, all the parents are like, I can't believe he just told my kid to jump off a third story. You are supposed to look first and even go down there and make sure it's deep enough. This was a well, you know, we jumped off this thing for years, but one time, apparently there'd been a flood and a huge log had gone in there. And so I'm, hey, I'm first, Uh, you know, you run up and you jump. And as soon as I look down and there is a log, like a big tree floating in the water. And I'm thinking that is not what I wanna hit when I hit the water. And in the midair, you don't, it's not a cartoon. You start, you know, you, you, you don't, you can't, you're just going where you're going. I, do, I wasn't very good at physics, but I understood that part of trajectory. Luckily, I, I'm still here, so I didn't hit the log. Um, but it can feel that way sometimes when rela- with relational evangelism and thinking, I had a really good relationship with this person until I jumped off a cliff. So let's look at these four words, and we're going we're to do that first by, by continuing in our, our look at the, at the chapter of uh, or at the book of Acts, and because I want to just read through this quickly to get that, like I said, that context. In verse 17, uh, right at the very beginning, we're going to see uh, that they, uh, Paul and Silas, Silas is Paul's uh, missionary partner. Verse 1, it says, Now when they had passed through Amphilo- Amphilus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, and as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. So, for three weeks, he's in this town, spending time getting to know people. Explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. And saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble. Now understand when, it, when he says the Jews, he just said some were persuaded that would have been other Jewish people in the synagogue. So when he, when he frames it like that, these are those that have been enemies to the church, enemies to the gospel, possibly even co-workers of his when he was a part of the other team running out, throwing Christians in jail. They were opposing what he was saying. So they were jealous, didn't like that he was taking people from the synagogue, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. Now we Come to understand afterwards, Jason must have been one of these uh, those that were persuaded and, and were possibly using his house at that point to meet in. They dragged Jason and some of the other brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they all are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security, so they got they got bonded out from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. New town, same plan. How would you describe that evangelistic experience? Was that a success? Was it a failure? Did it go to any kind of plan whatsoever? I don't know. When I talk about evangelism, usually people elicit, you know, fears of what's going to happen next. And that is the reason why there's resistance. And the same with me, I have the same lists, Um, but I'm guessing none of us on our lists. Is it riots that that this conversation will start a riot? So we're not going to do it. None of us think that we will need to be smuggled out of our town by cover of darkness as a result of this conversation. So we read this and we think, you know, there could be, you know, some reasonable things to say of, okay, was this worth it? They caused an awful lot of problems. Um, Maybe this isn't very good for the image of the church, Paul going around causing riots and getting thrown in jail and having to run away there's a lot of things that the church in America does today for the purpose of our image. And, you know, we want the the world around us to see us in a certain light. Uh, maybe I shouldn't share because then that would rob me of opportunity to share later, which is an interesting thing to say. But the Holy Spirit was the one that guided them there. And they were there for three weeks before all this happened. So, when Paul writes his letter, he's gonna bring this up first. So this is when we wanna move over to Second Thessalonians or First Thessalonians chapter two. Cause this is the scene that Paul is referring to. This unrest, this conflict. And I, I have a feeling there are people there that are that are wondering the same thing. Was this worth it for you to come here and cause a problem in our town? So we're going to see our first word of our our first uh, first word of our acronym BEGS, which is boldness. We're going to see it come up in in verse 1 and 2. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi, remember that was where they're imprisoned. As you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. They had boldness to declare. So remember, we're, we're looking at boldness in the idea that we, we press in even though we're experiencing pushback. That's what boldness is. So he says, some of you maybe have thought that was in vain because we did this in all this conflict. So that word conflict and vain should kind of rise to the top. And, and you, you begin to say, yeah, what is going on? Well, he's, he's referring to this, these riots and having to get smuggled out. And it, from a human point of view, you look at that and say, they didn't do a very good job planting a church. I've not heard of any churches being planted that ends in, in riots. They're supposed to be there, you know, getting the, the, the love of the people. The people don't love them. Paul sees it differently. He, he says, No, the gospel took root. I'm writing to you guys because a church formed. Yeah, I had to leave sooner than I wanted to and under a, a situation that I'd have preferred not happen, but the gospel still took root. People uh, became followers of Jesus. It wasn't in vain. And it's probably at this time that I want to I say what, because you, you may be going, Well, what, is, what does Paul mean by the gospel? He was bold in sharing the gospel. Well, it's the simple message of the gospel that we all are born with a sin problem. All of us, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have this sin problem that creates a barrier, a gap between us and God, our creator, our loving father that wants to have a relationship with us. And we cannot get there from here. And so he came to us by way of sending his son, Jesus, who lived without sin and yet died as my sin substitute. He provided a way. He paid the debt for my sin, a debt that I could not pay. So he solved that sin problem in the person of Jesus Christ. And he offers that as a free gift. But like all gifts, they cannot be earned. They're not deserved. They're just received and done in gratitude. And so he offers us this gift to be received in in thankfulness and gratitude and in faith. And then we walk in that faith and in that newness of life when the Holy Spirit comes to live within us and suddenly we're a, a new creation and we live in worship and gratitude of him. That's the simple message of the gospel that Paul was preaching to these people. And it says that many were brought into the church. And if you are here in this church, this building and, and have not Taken that free gift of salvation, today is the day that you can do that and you can begin to walk out of here as a new creation. But it takes boldness, right? It takes boldness to step out into our relationships and offer that free gift. Because we often look at it from the point of view of maybe this church did to say, this might have all been in vain. What if I mess up? What if I rock the boat? Paul doesn't see it that way. Paul just sees it as, hey, the gospel went out. It's never in vain. It's never in vain when the gospel goes out and I have shared many horrible from a human point of view, horribly confusing gospel presentations. And here's what's important to know about that. Uh, it, it is it is an often a refrain of I just don't know what to say. But it doesn't matter what you want to say, it matters who you know. And he's the person you're introducing. You know him? God can use it. It won't be in vain. So boldness is our first word that can help us in our efforts to reach our friends and family with the gospel. Our next word and begs next letter is E for entrusted, entrustment. Verse 3 is where we first 3 and 4 is where we find that word. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Here's the important thing to understand about evangelism that can help with some of the fear, some of the the worry about what's going to happen when you hit the water is that it's much more about me than it is the person I'm sharing with. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying he had been given an entrustment of the gospel. He had been given the cure for the sin problem. It's an entrustment. And the question was, what was he going to do with it? It's much more about me than someone else in the sense of, am I going to follow in obedience and faithfulness to what God has asked me to do? In the Brean class earlier, we spoke of the parable of the servants in Matthew 25. And I, you know, it's interesting that that was brought up. I was already planning on kind of attaching this to it because the word entrustment is used there when Jesus says that the master goes to these three servants and and gives them an entrustment of resources, of money, and then he goes away and he expects those servants that he entrusted with resources to use them. And no matter what they do, it is not in vain. He's going to see it multiply by their faithfulness. And of course, the big contrast is the one that says, no, I am, I'm going to take that entrustment and bury it, and I'm not going not to use it. And when Jesus comes back, the contrast is amplified when he says these two were good and faithful. This one was not. And they experienced loss in the sense that the, the very talent he was given was taken away. So when Paul says... I do this because it is a test from God. I, I believe he's being very literal in the sense that when he steps up to that cliff, he realizes, you know, God may multiply this effort, but ultimately he's waiting to see if I'm going to trust him. And when I boldly step off, I then find out, okay, this is why you gave me this message. Not so I could just carry it around and be happy for myself. It's so that I could give it to someone else. It's an entrustment that God then uses to multiply our next letter in our word begs is G for gentle. The next few verses bring that up because it is the defining characteristic of how we are to share. And it does kind of book into the idea of boldness. And it maybe even brings up some ideas of how, wait, how how are you, how are you being bold and gentle? How do those two things work together? And he's going to, he's going to explain that. Verse five, for we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with pretext for greed. God is witness for we did not seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. A couple questions arise from this. One is why is Paul suddenly defending his ministry? Why does he why does he feel the need to defend himself? He does that a lot. I don't know if you read a lot of Paul's letters. Often he is defending his ministry. Well, I think that's the nature of the idea of 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 going and starting to work and then going somewhere else and leaving behind a lot of problems. Um, and in this case, remember all those people that started those riots? They didn't they didn't go away when Paul went away. They stuck around. And so although Paul planted a church, he also kind of planted a problem in that there were people in this spiritual warfare stepping up and opposing everything this new baby church was doing. And part of that was sowing seeds of of doubt and lies and stepping in and saying, this Paul guy, I kind of doubt his sincerity. You know, at this time, there were a lot of, you you know, this is very weird, out of our culture, but there were people that actually got up and used religion to make money. I know, unheard of now. We now have a word for it, right? Televangelists. And, and even though there's a whole lot of good ones that use media to share the gospel, that word is not a good word in our culture today. And in fact, that may be one of the reasons you've had hesitancy to share the is because you don't wanna get put in that camp. Oh, you're one of those. Our sincerity is always questioned. Are we walking in with ulterior motives here? And Paul is saying no. But there's a reason why he, he has to defend himself. And there's a reason why we too have to step out and say, I get it. There's been a lot of bad examples out there. And this is where we're eventually going to get to that relationship component we know and we've all seen and given witness to, and maybe you've had personal experience with someone that had false pretense. Uh, saying words of flattery here means simply saying a lot of nice things to get you to respond and, and usually write a check. That's, that's how it's usually, usually done, right? And it's, it's something that we as believers look at, and just, we either go from just shaking our head to all-out anger because we know the damage that it is doing to the kingdom of God when we think about all those people that now view Christians in that light. And I'm going to say, just with all honesty, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I've had this conversation with Dave a few times, but usually most people that I know that call themselves pastors don't like to actually use that word out in public because it's, it's, it's maybe one day, you know, a long time ago, it was this thing where you could lead with. Now, when I'm getting my hair cut and the person says, what do you do? Because usually during the day and they wonder how I was able to get there. And, and I I, I used to say, I work at a church. Oh, what does that mean? at least like to root out what they're in, you know, what they feel about it. You know, I've, I've seen the, the, the things out there, you know, and, and I, I know there's a, there is a, at least one used car salesman in the room. So I don't mean to offend that one person, but usually as far as like lists of trustworthiness, we're put like between that. And I know we also have a lawyer, but there's, there, we're usually between those two. Well, how do we get there? How did someone that, like Paul that was going out for the purpose of sharing the gospel, and, and again, it's not like Dave and I and Chris are the only ones called to this. Y'all are in the same boat as far as we're all called to make disciples. How do we get there? How do we get in this place where we always have to defend our sincerity? Well, because the father of lies is still active in our church and in our culture, just as much as it was in Paul's day. And so there were people going around and, and saying, don't trust Paul because... Just like today, there were people that would go around as itinerant speakers, go into a town, say a lot of fun, interesting things, and then pass the plate around. Take advantage of those that that were easily led astray. Taking the trust funds from the widows. Jesus said the same thing about the Pharisees. Going into widows' homes and taking away their retirement. God has a lot to say about that and his feelings towards people that that use the gospel for the wrong reasons. But here Paul is saying, that wasn't me. In fact, Paul uses a whole other image, not a used car salesman. He uses a nursing mother. What images does that bring to mind? He says gentleness, gentleness. Now here's where we have to say, okay, wait a minute. Boldness and gentleness like a nursing mother. Now, we've all had levels of gentleness when it comes to our moms. That's just a reality, right? Some of us had moms that were not gentle. I would hope, though, if you were able to get a picture of them holding you as a baby, (laughs) it was a little different story, right? Anytime you see a nursing mother, you can't help but go, wow, that is like you just want to encase it in glass. It's so pristine, and it just seems like that is just the most innocent thing You know, time and difficulty and all that can put restraints on the mother-child relationship moving afterward. But in that moment, in that snapshot, it's gentleness. You have this, this entrustment of this little baby, and you're the one that provides everything for him, including nourishment. Paul describes his attitude towards these people in the same way. What is that saying? What is that communicating to the Thessalonians? And how does that combat this idea that Paul was there with false motives, with pretext? You see, I think a love for the person requires boldness and it also requires gentleness, right? So when you have, when you have love, that kind of equals boldness plus gentleness. Because when you have a love for the person, you have a, a true relationship with them and you see that they are heading off to an eternity without Jesus, you are motivated to be bold and to say what you feel you need to say. But you also understand that you're doing so with gentleness. I'm not trying to force you. I'm not trying to be rude about it. I'm not trying to make you feel you want to do as best you can to be gentle with that person, that is the prevailing characteristic of how we are to share our faith with those that we love. And if they have any doubts or wonder about why you're doing it, because that really is the question, right? Paul, why did you do it in the first place? You, why are you sharing this? And the next answer is because I love you. And that's what he says in verse 8. So being affectionately desirous of you, because I love you so much. and This is where we get our last letter of our word, begs to share ourself. He says, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. That is such a foundational concept when it comes to relational evangelism, and it should chase away everything else to understand that this isn't about what I know. This isn't about saying the right thing. This isn't about, you know, following a script. This isn't about, oh, what if, what if, what if? It's just simply an, uh, an outcoming of your relationship with a person in the first place, that you love them so much. I've, I, we've become so affectionate for you because we love you so much. We wanted to share ourselves not just the gospel. And, and what does that tell me? That tells me for, for Paul, the gospel and his own identity had become one. And so if I go and, and I'm just around a person and love them, and then I share the gospel, they, they should go, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because you can't remove one from the other. Now, on the other hand, if I have not been loving to the person and then I share the gospel, they have all the world, all the reason in the world to call us out on that and say, wait, You're talking about unconditional love here? You're talking about forgiveness? I've not seen that in your life at all. And maybe that's a reason I don't share. Oftentimes in my own life, I know that's the case, that I've maybe not been the nicest to someone, and then I get an opportunity to share, and I think, ugh, I have just painted myself in a corner. But guess what? Even in that situation, it's not in vain. And I'm given an opportunity to exhibit humility and asking for forgiveness. But Paul wanted to share his self. And I think we need to reframe the idea of evangelism from an act to who you are. To go from, oh, I'm doing this to just who you, I'm being this. Because when we are that, when, when we put the relationship back into this process, they recognize that. And I've had several relationships in different ministry ways and places I've lived that's just been ongoing where the person is, we are very clear on, on where we are right? This is someone that has either, oh, I'm an atheist, and I understand where you are, or they left the church, and there's this ongoing conversation. They know full well the message of the gospel. I've shared, we've created our little boundaries, um, but the relationship continues. And I think when you talk about, are they, are they going to see a sincerity? It's when you get rejected, and then they find out, Wait, were you only getting to know me so you could share this and see if I'm going to agree with you? And then when I didn't, are you going to abandon me? That's where sincerity comes in. That's where they get to see, okay, you actually care and love me the way I am now, not the way you hope I will be later. And that is such an important distinction. And that's where the world gets to step in and say, okay, This gospel you are preaching, it must be real because of what it's done to you because of how you're treating me. And I know I'm not the easiest person to get along with. So there's so much opportunity to be able to share the gospel with those around us when we are bold and we step off that cliff. But at the same time, I feel like the biggest hindrance is a lack of relationships. Because it is just a thing that the longer you're a believer, the more believers you know we need to have those outlets to go make new relationships with people that don't come to our church. And we try with beyond our doors to give you opportunities like that. That's why we hold these, you know, different outreaches and things we're doing, but it does require you to be the one to step out and, and meet someone that's there and, and get to know them and maybe continue that relationship. Uh, There are several Chris and Brad Hayes. They they've begun mentoring relationships with kids in our uh, local ISDs. There's organizations like Bridgeway Shelter and Angel Reach and Under Over where they have people that they interact with and welcome people to come and get involved, but they only want people that actually want to come in and, and build relationships to get to know the people, to, to spend time and, and resources getting to know those people to show this kind of love. But I would I would encourage you to look in on that and see whether it's that or it's the librarian you see every week or the person that checks you out the store or the the neighbor. We have those people that are just kind of on the fringes looking at us. And it's the question of whether I'm going to continue to get to know them and actually develop those relationships. You know, afterwards, in just a few minutes, we're going to have this workshop over here where we're going to be looking at what would be the other side of that VIN of ministry. Of okay, this is a person that we're just. If you want to go hand out food with us, if you want to go, you know, go to P.A.C. you interact with someone, or go to under over, or or any of these places, or just uh, cleaning up somebody's yard. What do I say right then? You know, that's what we're going to be talking about over there. There's a there's a few lunch boxes left to be claimed if you would like to join us and you didn't sign up ahead of time. I would encourage you. Uh, to come grab me afterwards and, and join us in that workshop. But as Dave said, a part of what we're doing as a church and our goals is to see us out there practicing adventurous compassion. And people are literally begging around us for someone to come our way and share this gospel. Just as Paul and Silas saw this man begging, and so they shifted and, and went this direction and saw so many people respond to the gospel that led them to, to Thessalonica and then led them to write this letter back to them, explaining their ministry and, and encouraging them to continue in the work of the gospel despite this pushback, continue to be Bold. I would say the same thing for us as a church, right? Continue to walk in boldness, continue to follow the Spirit's leading and jump off that cliff. Would you pray with me? God, you are a way maker, a promise keeper. We sang that song today as praise of you and uh, identifying who you are in our life, but how much more when it comes to making a a pathway for us to share the good news with someone that truly needs to hear it. I pray that all of us would be challenged to take that one step forward in this area, whatever that might be, whether it's just meeting someone, building a relationship, asking those hard questions, being bold, bringing up something in love and gentleness. I pray that you would give us that boldness that we need to live out this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.
1: With the sinner's restless heart You lead me by still water into mercy Where nothing can keep us apart Children, remember your time is so oh gone. Your grace is now, your grace is now, your grace is enough for me. Great is your love. God of uh, Jacob You use the weak To lead the strong You lead us In the song of your salvation And all your people Sing along Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for. Come. guys for being with us today. Have a great week.